Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. Today we're continuing with our series called Be Strong in the Lord. And let's review the scriptures we have gone over. If you turn to I'll go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. This is our fourth message on this series. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Verse 11. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. And we have gone over those scriptures. We took one Sunday on each of those two verses. And then last time we went over verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. We went over those verses, and today we want to start in Verse 13, continue on in that same sixth chapter. The message today uh, is a little different, but the same in a way, uh, in that the question I want to ask, which is the title of the message, is what does God mean when he says, Having done all. Having done all. Let's look at it in verse. We're we're going to read 13 and 14. It says, therefore, in essence, he's saying that on account of what I just said, I want you to take up the full armor of God. And he just said that in verse 11, put on the full armor of God. He just says a little bit different. He says, take up the full armor of God, not just some of the armor. And we know that that this is really, uh, Apostle Paul has given us a, a kind of a, a visual, let's say a visual of a Roman soldier and so they had to have on their full armor, he's saying, put on the full armor of God. But I want you to, to change over a little bit because we are really not talking about natural things. We're talking about spiritual things. And when he says that I want you to take up the full armor of God, then if you really think about it, 
What is God's armor? What is his armor? Does he does he have a you know breastplate on? Does he have the a physical shield that he has to take around holding up so he can, you know, ward off things? Or uh, is he really he has a spiritual armor and you think about uh the whole armor of God, the spiritual armor Wow, I don't think I could get it on. Really? What can I get on of all that God has? Really, think about it. I was thinking that, that I was reading sometime in the Old Testament uh, before, and, and he, he would sometimes say, okay, I'll take care of you. You just go on out and, and fight, but I'll take care of you. He will send hornets or something at, at, at the army, at the enemy army and they just take off they'll just run and i said man how does he do that yeah but that's part of he can he can do that see uh we have to have a and when we picture things like this we're pitching oh well well they have to come close enough so i can get my sword and i can kind of whack 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 god doesn't have to get close he just speaks the word, and the man's servant is healed. He doesn't have to get close at all. He doesn't have to lay hands on. He can, he will, but he doesn't have to. He does a lot of different things. He can make mud and put it over your eyes, and the eyes get healed. What are his weapons, really? You know, we think about that. So I wanted to just... Even though you've heard many, 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 many messages on the armor of God, I want to take it out of the natural realm and put it into the spiritual realm. And I want you to start thinking spiritually, even though we're talking in the natural here, as just an example for the people he's talking to here at Ephesus, I want you to think heavenly. Because, see, we just finished talking about we don't war against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, the powers, the rulers of darkness, the spiritual wicked in heavenly places. So it's a, it's a real war going on. And like we said last time, you know, it, it's stuff going on in the heavens. You think that, oh, my goodness gracious, my prayer's not getting answered. And, and it, it's the enemy holding up the prayers. You say, how can the enemy hold up prayers? But see, we're talking about spiritual things here. So I want you to start thinking spiritual, spiritual, spiritual here. Okay, so I think about spiritual. So he says that I want you to take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist. And it's the same thing it said over in verse uh, 11. Also, stand against. That's, that's, that's one of the Greek words, antihistamine. So we say, in the, in the evil day, stand firm. And having done all to stand firm. So I said, well, what is this having done everything? It says it in the New American Standard. And having done everything. What is this everything? See, because the Roman soldiers, they didn't have armor on the back. So they fought a 
face-to-face battle. And see, face-to-face battles, uh, we have to have our real end, te- you know, uh, protected. So God is our real reward, isn't he? He, he, he's, he's, he's taking care of our real. But see, Roman soldier, he didn't have that. He didn't have that. So, so that's why I want you to get your, get your mind off, off of that, even though we're talking about that. I'm, I'm going to come back to verse 13. I'm going to go to 14. Stand firm, therefore, having, your, ha, ha, having girded up your lawns with truth. I said, what's truth? You've heard that, that question before. I mean, you've probably read that question before. What is truth? Your word is truth. That's what the scripture says. Your word is truth. Yeah. And it says, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Okay. So we're going we're gonna, to um, camp out right there just a little bit and then come back to, the, to verse 13. And... When I think about truth, that's what I want to, want, want to think about, truth a little bit, the Word of God. I believe that truth should be our main offensive weapon. And that's, that's what I think now. And you say, well, well, you've told us, don't, you know, everybody have opinions, so we don't want to hear no opinion of what you think, okay? Well, I'm going to tell you what the scripture says, uh, but I'm drawing this from what I have been reading, that I'm not really interested in a physical, a physical sword. I have one in my car, but it's, but it's not a, it's, 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 it's one of those, um, it's, it's a wooden sword. Make sure it's a wooden sword. I have that as an, as an example. I could have brought that in. And said, this is a sword now, sword of the spirit. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, we, we, we don't think about that. I believe that the truth is the main offensive weapon and not really the physical Roman sword. Even though it'll tell us when we get down there, it'll tell us that uh, we're talking about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So, Let's look at Matthew, and let me tell you why I believe that it's the, it's the most powerful, important offensive weapon that we can have. In Matthew chapter 4, let's go to verse 1. Let's start there. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And we're familiar with this passage. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. Verse 3. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones Become bread. So the enemy knows he's hungry. So if you, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Could he do it? Absolutely. 
Absolutely, he could do it. He could, he could, he could make rocks crowd. He can turn stones into people. God could do anything he wants to do. Anything he wants to do. But see, he didn't do that. He's, he answered in verse 4 and said, It is written. It is written. I wonder, could he have just pointed his finger and, and Satan would have... I wonder, could he have just spoken and Satan would flee? Absolutely. I wonder if, if he wanted to put him in the pit for a thousand years, could he do it? Absolutely. Because he, <laughs> he, he's going to do it. He, he can do anything he wants to do. So why did he say it is written? That's the, that's the God. Um, I, wanted, I, I, I want to elaborate here on this armor here. And since I believe that the word of God is the most powerful weapon that we could have, I want to know, is that true? Because I see all over the scripture, and I read Revelation, and we know that uh, Jesus, he would have a sword coming out of his mouth. Have you all read that? And I said, well, how can a man have a sword coming out of his mouth? But is he really talking about physical swords? Or is he talking about the word of God? You know, he can speak. <laughs> and, you know, they came to get him, of course, and, and, and uh, after Judas, you know, betrayed him and whatnot. And, uh, he can just speak and everybody fall back. Right? Can't he? Yeah, he can do anything. I said, I said, it is written, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Hmm. Let's slow down a little bit. Man shall not live by bread alone, but so we need bread. We need something to eat in other words. We need something physical. We need something natural. Is that correct? Since we need something natural, it says to, to live, because if you don't eat, of course, you're going to die. He, he, he hadn't eaten for four days, four nights, and he was hungry. So you can get hungry and hungry and hungry. That's why you're going to die. Okay? But he says that man does not live by bread alone. So he didn't say man didn't live by bread. He said he didn't live by bread alone. So that means we need, need something to eat, eat bread. He said, but. So what else do we need besides? He could have said, but you have to have something to drink. But he didn't say that because we know you would die if you don't have something to drink. Right? He said, but by every, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, that's how you should live. Not by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds out of my mouth. So I said, 
Oh, that's important. That's important. That's important. So that means that if I if I if I want a, a weapon here, I want I want to use the weapons that Jesus used that I can use. And so since he said that I should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, I got to study this word. I got to have from Genesis to Revelation here. I got to have this in this bank up here so that the Holy Spirit can bring back to my remembrance the things that he has said to me because that's what that's what God said. The Holy Spirit, he's going to bring back to remembrance those things I have said to you. And so Jesus didn't have time to pull out his iPhone. Hey, Siri, you know. <laughs> Did he? No. What's that scripture? And I know it says something about bread. Uh, but we, we have the advantage we can do those things. But he says that the Holy Spirit will bring back to our remembrance what he said to us. So we're going to have to get this word in us and thank God for him giving us the opportunity to have a jump start because we should be really getting this word in us, a jump start with it. And we know we, we, we have to read it more than uh, just these seven days. Uh, we know we, it was just a jump start now. It was just a jump start. I want you to continue to read this word from now on. We're just getting a jump start. I want you to get back in the groove of getting into this word. Because God uses the word in order to defeat the enemy. Okay? Then the devil took him into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the uh, temple and said to him, If you're the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, since you want to, since you want to use scripture, Jesus, since you want to use scripture, I get, I'll give you a scripture. Okay. Didn't he, didn't, didn't he quote scripture? How did he know scripture? I wanted to read the Bible. He said, he knows scripture. He knows how to misuse it too. He will command his. Uh, Angels concerning you. Come on. On their hands they will uh, bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against a, a stone. See, that's in Scripture. That's in Scripture. But Jesus knew the word, see. He comes back with the word. On the other hand, Jesus says, it is written, you shall not, come on, right? You shall not put the Lord, your God, to the test. You don't do that. You don't do that. Yes, you said the word. Yes, you gave me word. Yes, you quoted I, I hear you. But you took it out of context. That's not what is meant by that. So therefore, no, you don't put Lord of God to the test. You don't do that, Satan. He knew the word. He knew it in the proper context. Again, the devil took him 
to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Wow, that's something, isn't it? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to deal with all this flesh. So you got to got a flesh, Jesus. Okay, I'm, you know, I'm going to give you all this stuff, all everything you can see. It's going to be yours, and everybody be, you know, coming around you and want to uh, hang around with you because you're going to have everything. You're going to be rich, and, and, you know, people hang around rich people. So, uh, therefore, you're going to be, you're going to have everything that the world has to offer, everything good. And he said to him, All these things I will give to you, to you if you just bow down and worship me. Just bow down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Go, Satan, for it is, it is written. He's still quoting the word. It is written. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So, of course, the devil left him and some of said for a season. Um, that is important to me because it tells me that the weapons that Jesus was using was the word of God. And we need to use the word of God. We need to use it. We need to use it. We need the word of God for every single thing we have to do with. Everything that's in our life, we need the word of God. What does the word of God say about children? What does it say about marriage? What does it say about how you treat each other in marriage? In other words, Everything you have to do with is in this word. And all we have to do is read it or listen to it. You can, you can, you can um, turn on your little uh, phones and, and, and it'll play the word while you're sleeping. It'll play the word while you're eating. It'll play the word while you're riding along the, the way. You get this word in you, and you have the situation covered. So that's why um, I used to tell people uh, when I did marriage counseling is that there's <clears throat> it, no need of me counseling with you unless you believe that the word of God is inerrant. There's no error in it. Because that's what I'm going to use. And if you don't believe it, if you're going to tell me, well, that was, that was good, but it's modern days now. There's no need of me wasting my time trying to help you because there's not going to be any help for you if you don't want to follow the word of God. I've had people who, uh, you know, because sometimes young people, when they, have children, they don't know the word, and they listen to Dr. Susu or whoever tell them how to rear children. The word of God tells you how to rear children. Does it? 
It tells you. It tells you. And it tells you also what will happen if you don't read them according to the word of God. It tells you what will happen too. Everything that we have to do with is in this word. In this word. So I say it's a great weapon for us. A great weapon. How about salvation? Is that in the word? Absolutely. It's in the word. About salvation. It says, how about righteousness? We talked about righteousness. The enemy will try to use uh, that against you also. He'll try to tell you how unrighteous you are. And we have to tell him, no, 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 no. I am righteous. It's been imputed to me righteousness. I am righteous by the blood of Jesus. I, my life is here with Christ in God. I am righteous not because of anything I did or anything I didn't do. I'm righteous because he has given me his righteousness. He died for my sins, and therefore, I am sinless in him. And so, don't tell me, because I raised my voice at the person on the the, the, line here, uh, talking to him on the phone, that I'm a sinner, so I might as well just give it up. Just give up trying trying to play like you're a Christian. You don't know you need to even go to church. No, because we can say it is written, can't we? God said that if I have sinned, I can confess my sins, and he will cleanse me of all what? Unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. You say, well, well you know, but, but, but see, that, that, that was just that. But you know, you've done some bad things in your days. All unrighteousness. Now, we have to put it in context, right? Because we cannot say, okay, I can keep on sinning as long as I say, God, I sinned, I did, I confessed it, okay, now I'm cleansed. And I go do the same thing tomorrow, the same thing next week, the same thing next week. No, 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 no. We need to repent, don't we? Repentance is not just... uh, Hey, I confess my sins. So along with that, you have to be a student of the word too. Along with that goes, yes, you confess, but you also have to turn from it. You have to turn from it. Now I turn and I'm going opposite direction. I'm not doing that by the grace of God now, by the grace of God. I'm not doing that anymore. And if I do happen to fall again, I'm going to ask for forgiveness. I'm going to say, God, you got to help me because my, my desire is to walk perfect before you, and I'm not going to keep doing it. Hasn't he given us willpower? Hasn't he given us a mind? Yeah. And we're supposed to have some determination. We're supposed to, uh, you know, we got to practice this stuff, right? We got to practice. We just can't, you know, uh, think we're going to say, okay, I repent. And that's it. We have, we have things that we've been doing for years. They are habits. And God wants us to get out of these habits that we have. 
that are ungodly, that are not like he is. So that's what he's telling us to do as far as these two verses. Now I want to go back to where I told you. Uh, of course, you know we can, we can say a lot more, but we're not. Uh, we, let's go back to verse 13. Um, Having done all, stand. That's what it says. Having done all. What do you mean, Jesus? What do you mean, Apostle Paul? What do you mean, having done all? You mean, I know what you mean. Having done all of the armor, I got it all on. I got it on. I got it on. I got this armor on. I got all of it on. It doesn't even say anything about shin guards, does it? That's about, you know, you know our soldiers, they, they, they put things on their shin, too. Yeah. But it doesn't say anything about shin guards up here. That's probably what he meant, isn't it? All of it? No. No. There are a lot of things that is part of God's armor of Scripture here that, that helps us a little bit. Let's go to uh, Colossians chapter 1. Verse 13. Let's go there. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rules or authorities. All things have been created through him and What's the last two words? For him. All things. All things. All things have been created through him and for him. You mean to tell me unsaved people were created for God? Absolutely. Absolutely. He created he created man, didn't he? That's what my Bible said. He created Adam. He made Eve. Yep. In the river Adam. Yeah, Adam. He created mankind. See, I didn't know I was created through him and for him before I had given my life to Christ and knew what I was doing. I, I didn't know that. I thought I, I thought I was created to have fun. You know, really. And to fulfill my wishes, my desires, and what um, society says, I thought that that, that, that was my, those were my, my 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 goals. I wanted to, you know, have a job so I can buy, you know, um, nice things. You know, I, I wanted to do. You probably weren't like that, so I no need for me to talk like that. You you weren't like that. You always knew you were created for God. I just didn't. I just didn't. You know, I didn't know that. I thought I was created for me. That's what I thought. And it was a rude awakening when I started reading the scripture. And I said, "Ooh, boy, that's not good." You know. <laughs> Let's look at Isaiah forty-three, verse um, six and seven. And and it's 
course, Old Testament is talking about Israel. And he was saying, Isaiah was saying about Israel, said, I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. So, you know, he's talking about Israel. But, of course, New Testament, we know that, that uh, we all be born again. We all one. And it says in verse 7, Everyone who I, who is called by my name. Are you called by the name of of Jesus? We even take some of the name. We're Christians, right? Christ. We're called by his name. And whom I have created for my, what's the word? Glory. Why were we created? For the glory of who? God. Whom I have formed, even whom I have made. Now, I had a sign made, and Joshua Okra put it right there. Because that's where I asked him to put it. Right there. So that uh, as we go out of the sanctuary, we're going into the mission field. You know that? We're going to the mission field. It's a, it's a, it's a mission field out there. Right? On your block, your street, your job. And that's our mission at Cornerstone is, and that's where, that's where I got it from, right here, to glorify God. I told, uh, you know, the signs by tomorrow, I want this thing big enough so that when I'm standing up here, I can see it. When the worship team up there, they can see it. Because when they get up there to sing, they are singing to glorify God. When we go out of here, we're going out to glorify God. When we open our mouth, we open our mouth to glorify God. Okay? Everything is for his glory. Because that's why we were created, for his glory. Okay? And, you see, it's been said that Young people have a problem today because they don't know why they are here, why they exist. And do you know people struggle with that? Why they exist? Why am I here? You know, I'm here just because my parents wanted me here, but I didn't want to be here, so why am I here? If you don't know why you are somewhere, if you don't know that, then how in the world are you going to glorify God? How in the world are you going to live for God? Why in the world would I want to 
sit and read this Bible is, I mean, you have to do some studying. You had to do some reading. You had to read over and over because it's just not like reading a novel or something. It takes some understanding from the Holy Spirit to reveal things. And why would I do that if I don't know that I exist for him? But because I know that I exist only because of God, that he created me for his purposes and that he made me and that nothing was made except by him, through him, for him. It helps me when I see a bug, when I see a net, when I see a fly that I don't like. I want to know why is that fly here, you know, but it's not here for me. Not here for me. So, to God be the glory. You know. <laughs> you know. But it helps me to know that I exist. And I want you to know, I don't want you to leave this place without knowing that you exist only because of God. You are here only because of God. You're not here to please yourself. You're not here to please, you know, because all of you here uh, should be in this room probably. Uh, you are probably 18 or older or whatever. You, you, you're not here to please your parents. You're not here to please your employer. You know, you say, oh, that's not right. You're not here to please the president. You say, oh, they're going to get you and put you in jail. You're not here to please nobody but God. That's who you're here to please. You're on your job to please God. That's who you're on your job to please. You're in school to please God. Because if you don't, you're not going to really study like you should. On your job, you're not going to really do the things you should. Because the word of God tells me I'm supposed to uh, uh, do things not for, you know, with our service. You know, in other words, I'm not going to do things just because the boss is looking at me. I'm not going to do things just because. I'm going to be tested on this, and I want to pass, and my parents, they're going, oh, they're already saying, if, if, I, don't, if I don't make a, a good grade, they're going to already say, no, you're supposed to want to do well because God has put you there for a purpose. And so I want to please him. I want to please him on my job at work. I want to please him uh, when I'm studying for this message. I want to please him when I'm interacting with you. I want to please him everywhere I go. I want to please God because he created me for his glory. And that's what I want you to do. To realize that that's why we're here. To please him. So as you go out today, know, and if I ever ask you, hey, what's our vision? You say, oh, wait a minute. I know it's written somewhere. It's in my notes somewhere. No, I want you to know the word of God says, everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, is the word of God. It's the word of God. It, you might not remember where it is. You'll probably remember it's in the Old Testament. Somewhere. You might not remember it, but you know it's in the Bible, that you were created for God's glory. So therefore, your mission in life should be to glorify God.
okay, to glorify God, to glorify God. And that's where we want to end today is that he said, having done all to stand. This is not part of the armor, is it? It's not, on, it's not in, in, in Ephesians 6. No. But it's, it's part of having done all because if you don't glorify God, you're not going to have any on, the armor on like you should, and the enemy is going is to be able to get to you because you don't have everything you need. And Jesus, he said that, oh, hey, here he comes now. Here comes the devil, but he has nothing in me. That's what the scripture said, nothing in me. And that's what I want us to be able to say is that uh, when we go out, he has nothing in me, nothing in me, because I'm working on all this junk that, that, that I have accumulated in my lifetime, in my growing up, when I was in school, all the things that, that, that I have fallen prey to, all this stuff is going to fall off because I am realizing that, that Holy Spirit help me, help me, help me because I want to glorify, I want to glorify you. So therefore, the only way I'm going to do it is you help me get rid of some of the junk in my life. Okay? And that's what I want us doing every time we behold this word of God on our 70 days of, of uh, just jump starting. I want to behold the word of God. I want to say, okay, this is an area I'm missing God. I know I'm missing God in this area. Holy Spirit, help me to overcome this. Help me to break this stronghold. Help me to break this habit. Help me. And as we do that, we're going to glorify God more and more every day. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.